And welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen. This is Nick. And Janelle. And uh, we are really uh, grateful to be back. Um, I think we were discussing, what has it been, about three weeks or so? I think so. Or more. Um, and there's been a lot that's happened. Um, yeah. I don't even really know. Where, okay, so so let's go back. It'd be Thanksgiving. Okay. I didn't put anything out the week of Thanksgiving. I don't know if we did anything the week before. We didn't. Okay. And I thought, well, we'll do something before we leave. And then that didn't happen because we had so much unfolding. And here's what started to happen. This is a train wreck, by the way. This yeah, isn't... It's, it's life got lifey. Break out your break out your many <laughs> violins and start playing them for us. <laughs> yeah, we need the sympathy. Um, so here's what happened. We had Thanksgiving. We had uh, Thanksgiving about a day or two before. Thank. Well, it was the night before Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. we've had this, um, if you want to call it, the saga involving our refrigerator, where um, the refrigerator. At one point, about four or five weeks ago, six weeks ago, it just, it all of a sudden started to get warm in there. And when I say warm, it was going to like, what, 60s? We're talking like lower 60s, yeah. upper 50s, lower 60s, like so, not inhabitable for food in a refrigerator. No. So we had to take um, frozen stuff into the freezer out in the garage. And anything else that was in there was, of course, it's no good at that point. Um, and I had a guy come out to look at it. He's a pretty decent repair dude, uh, repair man. Why would I say repair dude? Because he's a um, dude. There you go. And um, he came and looked at it. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. This guy wasn't that far away, but let me tell you, there, doing the appliance repair, man, after all was said and done, it was 190 bucks, and he didn't even fix it. So, <laughs> that was basically the service call. Thank so, you very much. So here's what happened. Um, he pulled the refrigerator, like he, he opened up the refrigerator, went into the freezer part. Oh, it's a, it was a, um, uh, one of the ones that's a side-by-side door. So you open up a left door for the freezer section and the right door for the, um, regular, you know, stuff. And we cleared everything out on the left side and there's the coils back there and everything were partially, uh, frosted over. And he's like, well, you know, I've seen it where they're completely covered and you know, that's usually maybe you have a problem. He said, but yours is only partially so he literally took like a hairdryer, a little heat gun, and he thawed it completely out. And then he goes ahead and he starts really like kind of looking around and testing the electronics and stuff like that. And he can find nothing wrong. And he gets in there and looks at a couple other things. And then he just kind of talks to me. He's like, you know, do you ever leave your door like a jar? I'm like, no. He's like, that's usually what causes this. I was like, we don't ever like leave it a jar or anything like that. And so he, uh, he's standing there just kind of, kind of perplexed. And then he looks down on the ice maker, like he, the door is open and we have an ice maker that's accessible from the outside. And he's got the door open looking at the ice maker and he looks down and he's like, oh, there's your problem. I'm like, what? And I look in and the flap is open. So whenever you get your ice and some of you are probably going to try this after we mention this so you can hear it, but when you get your <laughs> ice, if you have a front feeding uh, ice maker on your refrigerator and you walk up to the door and you put your little drink, your cup under there, and you'll probably hear a little mechanical whir initially, or it's going to happen so fast you may not hear it at all. And there's a motor that will open this little trap door that will then allow ice to come down the chute and into your cup. After the ice comes through, usually there's a little time period of maybe like five to 10 seconds. And then there's a little motor that'll re-engage and it'll shut that trap shut in order to keep outside air from coming up through the ice maker and melting the ice. And that was what was happening to us. 
the ice was melting, the fridge was getting warm. We had water that was dripping down under the, the fridge from the door. It was going under the tile. It was like a vinyl flooring with vinyl squares. And uh, so it was going under the tiles. And my wife was walking across her one day and water squished up around the tile. And you know, you got bad problems then at that point. And so he's like, yeah, it, this door is, is not sealing. And so it was, the motor was so bad on it that whenever you would just shut the door, it could cause the flap underneath the ice maker to just come open and it would just stay open. It wouldn't shut. Um, he didn't fix it cause I don't think he had a part. He was going to be out of town. And so what I did was I went and found the website, um, where the part was listed. He also I, said it was an 18 year old fridge and it wasn't worth the time. Yeah. That's so, what he said. Yeah. So I, I went ahead and I pulled the fridge, uh, the front of the fridge apart uh, that he had done. I, I watched what he did. I learned. And then I bought the part and I replaced the part and it fixed it. It, it like in, in the fridge um, at that point was, was working well. And the little trap was working correctly and everything was great. We got ice again. It was amazing. Yeah. And then about what, two weeks later, mm-hmm. about f- week of Thanksgiving, everything mm-hmm. starts to go a little more warm in there. And we knew this cause we got a little temperature gauge in there and it started to, to, to get a little warmer and the ice was not really uh, looking as crisp as it did. It was starting to look kind of rounded and everything. And <laughs> we're like, Oh, come on. And so uh, long story short, there was other contributing factors besides that ice door. Um, there might be something wrong with the compressor. And we think there's been something going on with this refrigerator for a long time because it was always running. And so um, it was just it was just a mess. So anyway, um, I'm going to try to go cliff notes on this. The fridge is bad. And so we have Thanksgiving dinner. And then we go ahead and we come home and we're like, we got to find a fridge. So we're scouring through Black Friday deals because we need a refrigerator bad. Um Except the the whole size that we have is weird. Yeah, it was a strange. We have a strange cabinet cutout space. It's like exactly sixty eight tall. Has to be exactly sixty eight inches tall and exactly like thirty five or so, thirty six wide, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and some of them are like close to like sixty nine tall. Some might be a little less. And the, and what was crazy is the smaller refrigerators were getting more expensive. It was really kind of dumb. Right. <laughs> and I was like, why is this? And at this point, we were like looking for, and I asked the repairman, I was like, if there's a brand that you recommend, what do you recommend? He's like, Maytag and, and Whirlpool are the ones that are easiest to repair. It's a service and everything like that. He said, go with those. Whirlpool owns Maytag. It's the same thing. Doesn't matter what the front of the label says. They're basically the same fridge. Um, so we ended up not getting either one of those because you couldn't find one that fit. True. And so we ended up getting an LG. And the LG, like people are like, oh, it's got a linear compressor in it, little wow, and all this other stuff. And and so I I got like this five year warranty on the thing for like everything. Like the paint gets scratched, doesn't matter, regardless. It's it's replaced free of charge. And I know that it works because my uncle had one. The compressor went out on his four years and a half in it, and they soldered a brand the guy came in and soldered a brand new one on there. So um it comes with like a 10 year warranty as well after that for the compressor itself. So they know that's been a trouble and whatever, and it's been a problem in the past. So they want to cover it. But, um, so we order the fridge and then we go to your mom and dad's. Mm-hmm. And then while we're <clears> at your mom and dad's, um, your brother is sick really, really bad. We don't know at the time that he has COVID. Cause he had gotten over it by the time we got there. Yep. And so we, we get up there and then, uh, Saturday rolls around and your dad wants me to go do termite work with him. And, uh, that I about, I, I questioned my, my, um, existence <laughs> at one point, because let me tell you, when you do this termite work, so you go to a place, you're going to do termite work. You literally have to dig a four inch, about a four inch deep trench, um, completely around the structure up against the foundation. So that way he can then take a chemical and flood that. And it'll permeate about two feet down on the soil to create a barrier. 
against the termites and things like that. So we went to this establishment and did, and it was a gigantic, it was a church. Now, I'm not going to give a name or anything like that or where it's from or anything like that for the privacy of the people. But um, this, this church I went to, and I literally started at the front of the church to dig this trench, and my back is not the greatest in the world. I get 15 feet and I'm like, God, you have to help me. How in the world am I going to get around this? I get a text. I've gone 15 feet. You're going to have to pray for me. Yeah, it was, it was that bad. And I thought, how am I going to do this? And so I, I managed to pace myself to stay ahead of him, dug the ditch around the entire building. And I get to the front of the building and I am so ecstatic about being finished. I literally, there's a big wooden cross on the front of this place and I kiss the foot of the cross. I'm like, Lord, <laughs> thank you. I made it. I, I, I lived. And uh, we get through all the stuff that he has to do inside and all this other stuff. And then we go outside and we're starting to clean up. And the people are like, oh, by the way, uh, you were going to do the fellowship hall in the outbuilding, right? And I'm just <laughs> like, no, no. And I about had a heart attack. I was like, oh, no. And you get your tools back out and off you go again. And you just keep, it was like, it was the gift that kept giving. It just wouldn't stop. Uh, but I understand like they're wanting to be careful and make sure that they're okay. And it was basically preventive at that point. Cause there was no issues out there. But anyway, um, you had to drill holes through the concrete and you had to uh, um, pump the chemical down below the slabs in order to treat the soil and everything like that. And there was just a lot of work involved in it. And, uh, I got through all that and then Sunday rolls around and we're all feeling kind of puny and kind of, kind of rough. And we go home and Monday and Tuesday, you were starting to wear down. I was not starting to wear down. I was worn down. I worked. So since our last podcast, I started a new job. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have time off. True. So here I am working with 100.5 fever. And because we are, well, that'll give This is all remote, folks. She wasn't out. Yeah, she wasn't out I with wasn't the general out. populace. Yes, I was not out spreading yeah. <clears throat> baby COVIDs. Um, that test came back positive so quickly. And I was positive it was not COVID yeah. because my brother had taken a COVID test and it had come back negative. Yeah. Like in the middle of his, it didn't come back. His didn't come back positive until after he was already over mm -hmm. it. So, and you know, 24 hours fever free, you're no longer contagious, mm -hmm. is for the birds. Mm -hmm. So my mom got sick, I got sick, and I then two sick. days later, Nick got sick. So yeah. and, it, and let me tell you, on top of that with the COVID, you go and you, you, you not be used to any sort of manual labor for a <coughs> long time, and then you go out and you dig a ditch <coughs> around, around three buildings, and you see if you can sit down on the toilet or if you can sit down in your chair and get up successfully about two or three days later, you, you, you will, you'll feel ruined and broke. You, well, you'll we, just feel broke. We had a joke going that my dad tried to kill him and my mom tried to kill me. <laughs> 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 and so we had the fridge going on with that. I had to cancel the, uh, the home insurance person from coming out here to oh, look yeah, at the floor. Oh yeah. Cause our floor is trash. Yes. Because, and I forgot to mention that the floor is trash in the kitchen. Um, because there were, we noticed that there was a dip, <clears throat> a couple of dips, um, in front of the fridge and, and I, they were getting worse. Like yep. I was starting to notice it. I tripped over it once. Yep. It, it was in the back of my head. I thought, you know what, if this fridge has been leaking water, like we really have seen it and we, and it, for who knows how long it's been doing this, um, there's a good chance that the floor, the subfloor under here, not the joists, but the subfloor is ruined. And so we came home and I was feeling really, really bad. Like it was starting to kind of take hold on me. COVID was, and I was like, I didn't know it was COVID at the time. And I, I take the first tile off and I'm greeted by this 
kind of a musty, musty smell. smell and it's all dark and I'm like, yeah, Subforce trash. So then he it's continues like, oh. to peel and then I just feel filthy. I feel like we live in a trashy house and we don't. Um, a trashy house that's just filthy and that was just so, it. So I, I took the tile, I took four tiles off and stopped because I realized I was dealing with extensive water damage on the subfloor and that is when I hit the brakes and I called the insurance because I'm like, if this is something way beyond my... <coughs> I've, put, I've put in subfloors before. I've put joists down. I've done that kind of stuff before. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a stranger to it. But if I have this covered by insurance and I don't have to pay anything for it out of pocket, I'll go for it. Um, the problem is you have to get a certain dollar amount with a premium or else you pay a premium. So now it's the question of having the people come back who I rescheduled because we had COVID to um, come and look at this to see if we um, are in that area that's going to be around, you know, whatever amount of money and avoid having to pay the um, deductible. So we have, we've had to get a new refrigerator. We had the floor that completely uh, is in bad shape right around that refrigerator area. It's probably about a six foot wide by probably about a three or four foot area, I would think is probably what's got messed up. Yeah. And so now I have a rug there, which I don't hate the rug. Yeah. The but rug I know covers it. it. Yeah. You don't see it, but it's like you're trying to <clears> put duct tape <throat> over the sin a little bit so that way you don't know yeah. what's there, but we, we know that it's getting fixed. <clears throat> Either me and my uncle was volunteered to uh, it's help. It's the three-quarter length sleeves for the elbows. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's what we're doing. You're covering it up. Yeah. Um, but we've got that kind of going on, and then we just got over COVID. So if I sound a little funky or she sounds a little funky, um, I'm just now today starting to get my voice under control, and I don't sound like I'm singing um, – uh, he had ba- that bass. nice, sexy, low. It was really, really bad. Gravelly voice. It was mm-hmm. bad. It was really bad, and then everything was all plugged up and stopped up. So it it has been a mess. And then on top of that, <clears throat> we um, the delivery. Oh, good grief! You forgot the delivery. <clears throat> I forgot all about that. Excuse me. Oh my word. So we don't even get a phone call from these people. All of a sudden, I hear Mika out in the backyard carrying on. I was like, Janelle, that doesn't sound like a normal dog bark that she does. I said, Some, something weird's going on. And I go look out the front door, and there's these two guys coming up, and they got a rental truck. And I'm like, what? Is this the people from Home Depot? It was. No phone call, no nothing. And the guys come in, and they take a look at the refrigerator, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll do whatever. And so they bring the new one. They, they come in with their dolly, and they start to pull the old one out. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, well, um, I don't think we can pull this one out and take it because I paid to have the, the old refrigerator taken away. And they're like, yeah, we can't do anything because your water connector in the back isn't going to fit up to the new refrigerator you have. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's not going to work. You have a, a weird connector back here. It's like a copper line going into a plastic PVC line, and there's these little push-in uh, clips that make it work uh, like a baby sh- shark bite thing. And uh, uh, I, I was just, just kind of like a bewilderment. I wasn't feeling good. This was a Tuesday. All right, Wednesday, I'm full-blown sick as a dog. Tuesday, I'm getting rough. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm already over this day. You know, they're saying they won't take the fridge. What are we going to do? And I said, well, the best we have to have a refrigerator, so just bring the new one in. <laughs> that dude probably got COVID. Yeah, well, he probably did, and we didn't know it at the time. That's awful. I'm sorry. This is going to sound terrible, but I needed the fridge so bad, he would have had to just gotten COVID. <laughs> well, so he basically... Um, I said, just bring the new refrigerator in, put it in the kitchen, plug it in. We don't have to have water. I'll, I'll work on the water line myself or I'll get a plumber if I can't. I, I got it fixed. But 
he, he, they go out and they take the new refrigerator and they start bringing it in the front door. And if you open up your screen door all the way, there's like a metal hinge that sticks out. Man, I didn't, I noticed that that was pressing right up against the, the second drawer on the bottom of, the, of our new fridge. And I'm like, that doesn't look like it's going to fit. I said, guys, you want me to take that hinge off? They didn't say like, anything. Oh, no. Yeah, it's like, oh, it was just whatever. Next thing I know, they come in and they put our fridge there and there's this big crease across the <sighs> front of the new drawer on this fridge about eight inches long or whatever. And I'm like, ah, oh, man. And so I knew that they were both, both those men were in trouble if you came in there. And I was sitting there like, what do I do? Like, how, what do I, how do I tell he her? He came in very slow. Yeah, I didn't hey, know what babe, to say. There's a crease in the door of the fridge. And I was really sick. So I... I, I said, I need you to come in here and look at this. I need you to come look at this. Yeah, and, and, and I was trying to figure out how to word this. I mean, wh what are you supposed to do? Because I'm like, I'm gonna sick my wife on him. Get him, you know. <laughs> and, and and so she comes in there with me. We look at this, and there's this crease in the door. And the guy's like, Oh, yeah, I see that. And you it's like, put it yeah, there. you put it there. <laughs> and so they um, they take a picture of it, and they, the, the, to their credit, they did send it up to Home Depot. I called, reported it, and um, they went ahead and ordered a new drawer. It's here in the living room, and the technician shows up tomorrow to install it. Let me tell you something else. If you're going to buy an LG appliance, you have to have people that are certified LG to repair it, not your normal little John, John, Joe, or whoever who who's up in, in your local town can do it. They actually have to go to a class to do it. This gentleman to repair our LG refrigerator has to come from Cincinnati <laughs> because evidently he's the only one certified and th th there's no one in this area certified to do it. Because one dude wouldn't wait for you mm -hmm. to take off a hinge. Yes. So uh, anyway, I, I was feeling so sick. I went down to Ace Hardware. I knew what I needed. I got the water line, came home, worked on it, got it converted, hooked it up. Water works great. Ice works great. We got the fridge installed. Everything's fine. Then we took the old fridge. We he-manned that thing through the living room. I backed my truck up to the porch. My get up, my, my get up and care got up and went. And we pushed it out and went bam into the bed of the truck. I'm like, done with this. And then we put, put it in the bed of the truck and shut the, the, the tailgate. And I'm like, I'll deal with you another day. It's still out there. It's still out there. And I had to drive to work to go take a COVID test <clears throat> the next day. And I looked at my rearview so mirror and I'm like, why is there a somebody's tomb or vault in the bed of my truck? And I'm like, oh, it's that fridge. Whoops. <laughs> It looks like somebody's tomb with a big, massive casket in the back. I'm like, what is this? Oh, I did that. Yeah, and then I got the COVID test. I was, you know, I was positive at home, positive there. And then, um, yeah, Wednesday night was about the sickest I've been. I've had COVID three times. This was the most intense burst of it that it I've had. It was so fast moving. But though, yeah. when you got it for two days, you felt like a truck yeah, hit I was, you. I was nauseated. I, I was nauseated uh, for it's about three or four nausea. hours. Yeah, it was terrible. But... And then after all that, we've been working with, we, we really haven't said, maybe some of you have seen what Janelle's been posting or whatever, but we are doing a fertility treatment. Yeah, well, so we're, let's, we're, we're starting that. So let's just let's dive into up. that real quick. Okay. So, um, and we've always said that we were going to be very, I feel like this is a topic that is not honestly and openly and vulnerably talked about. Yep. And I know there's more people struggling with fertility. And unexplained infertility is probably the most frustrating, heartbreaking thing mm -hmm. because there is no answer for why. It just isn't happening. Right. So um, <clears throat> first day of my job, I was um, hoping that my period did not come. It did. And I completely lost hope. Mm -hmm. Completely. 
I pitched every ovulation test, every pregnancy test, every um, thing that had anything to do with fertility, and I was done. Unbeknownst to me, Nick goes and calls my mom. Mm-hmm. Because I was having a very hard time. When you can't fix it, you call mama-in-law. <laughs> well, she can't fix this either. Well, she makes it better. Um, but if any of you out there have looked into fertility treatments, they are ridiculously expensive. Yeah, some of the costs we were looking at was insane. Yeah. yeah. So how does she put that that kind of tipped the... Just to have the opportunity or the chance to have one of your own, right? Was like you pay for a car? Yeah, that was you, it. That was you it. go out and you spend forty thousand dollars, forty five thousand dollars on a car, and that's not going to last nearly as long as a child will. Yeah, and you gladly do it without stopping to think about the monthly payment. Really, yeah, you just go buy a car because you have to have one. Yep. So that kind of tipped it, and. Um, we scheduled with, um, there's not a lot of fertility options around us that are close. The closest one is an hour. The one that we chose and that I really like because of the guarantee that they gave is two hours away. I can't swing two hours with, your I mean, job. with yeah. a new job. They'll work with me, but I have to lose pay for yeah. that. And then who's going to pay? It's true. Like, it's just yeah. one of those things you have to consider whether or not the child is worth it. That is what you have to consider. Um, so I've been, we may still be with that clinic if Cavill yeah. doesn't actually get back, but it's like, so we had the, we had the consult <clears throat> and, um, of course we were already too far because all of that testing has to be done on a specific day of the cycle. Like you, there are specific days when you have your, um, ovarian reserve tested. So that is how many eggs I have left that would be viable for children. And then you have to start medication on a certain day of the month of your cycle Mm -hmm. to really push those, those ovaries and, you know, do what they need to do. So I really like Dr. Warwar. Um, however, she's two hours away from me and it's multiple trips up. It's not just one. It's, you have to go up, you have to have your ultrasounds, you have to have your um, blood work, and then you have to go um, back mid-cycle, and then maybe two or three days mm-hmm. later if things aren't, you know, there's a trigger shot involved, which isn't, you know, a huge deal because that's going to be happening at Cabell too. But Which Cabell's the option we're looking at yes. just simply because of the closeness. <clears throat> but I can't get a hold of them. They're bad. I can't, I can't. They're bad about that. And if that continues, then that could throw off timing. So... Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, um, we've started, we haven't finished it because we don't know what we're going, you know, how much we're going to need. We are definitely not one of those people that I'm going to go and make a, um, what is that? Go fund me for the thing of our child. Absolutely not. I'm not doing that. But I am, I am selling like freshies and candles and, you know, junk journaling stuff and cards and that kind of stuff. And all of those proceeds are. So that's why you may periodically see something on the Facebook that is a freshie or a candle or something like that. Because those proceeds, I have literally got a little envelope and every time I sell something, all of that money is going straight into that envelope so that we can either offset something and it's not something that I wouldn't have not done because I was planning on selling freshies anyway. And I was, 
I sell candles just anyway. Now, we divert, where now I divert where it goes yeah. instead of going into savings. It's going into the baby fund. So the the for those of you curious as to how much something like that costs, um, we've we've kind of gotten a little bit of feedback from the doctor that she talked to from Columbus. Um, <clears throat> just a little bit is kind of leading us to believe that she probably thinks that IUI is what's going to take care of it for us. Okay, so IUI is interuterine insemination. Yep. So that's when it's a manual process. They wash um, the sperm. And when I wash, they, they take, I didn't know this until I watched a video, but all of the fluid is acidic and into the uterus will actually burn and cause issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so which is why they wash it. Um, and then they'll put the sperm straight into the uterus so that it gets closer to the fallopian tubes and the egg mm-hmm. in that process so that you're not, um, it, it takes out, it takes out a channel that it actually has to move through right, and gives right. it a better shot to get where right. it's going. So that whole process, that's, that is like the, that's the first step. Generally people that have to go beyond that where that doesn't even work, that's the IFV or IVF, whatever IVF. you call it. That's where it gets real pricey. Um, generally from one of these, I think Cabell, I'd actually talked to them. They said it's like per, per treatment is around $800. Yeah. Um, and that, that honestly, that's like, that's, you know, it's expensive, but it's, Much more doable. you're hoping, you're hoping that's it. And some people we know have actually had, um, success going that route twice in a row for their kids. That was what it was. And, um, so for th- some of you out there that are probably struggling with, um, fertility and everything. Check out IUI uh, because it's actually something that might, it's the simplest of, of the procedures mm-hmm. and it's the cheapest, but it's almost like sometimes just that little bit makes a difference. But that you do your own research on that and it'd be something for another podcast we'd have to really go into and talk about. And I'm sure as we start doing the treatment and whatever we right, do, because we're going to tell you everything about it. That's part of, I guess... Um, that we're pretty much not going to hold anything that back. we're using it as, because again, this is a topic that is so hurtful. I feel like it is probably one of the most, one of the biggest faith killers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because people say, well, I can't have a child. And so what, what's wrong with me or, or why isn't God answering my prayer? Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, if, if it's not a miraculous healing of some sort, I think God sometimes puts people in your path to help lead you to the right solution. Um, you know, so, uh, and I know we said before, like when we first started down, when we had gotten the, what we thought were negative results and they weren't negative results, (laughs) um, where if we were able to get pregnant, we were, you know, we wouldn't tell for a while. I think actually we have changed our mind on that too, because it's just one of those processes that if something happens, there is someone out there that has suffered the same thing. Exactly. That maybe they'll understand that they're not alone. Yeah. So the other thing that we're doing, since we're not holding anything back, is in the in the meantime of getting with a fertility specialist is we are working on some home insemination stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so kits are, I have a kit coming tomorrow that has really good... Um, I guess technically there's like <clears throat> several different stages here. It's like there's your normal physical yeah. means, then there is the at-home... Uh, manual procedure, then is your IUI, then is your IVF. Yeah, so it it steps. And I think everybody goes, oh, I'm infertile. Let's go straight to IVF. Well, there are steps in between that you can try. Does it cost a little bit of money? Yeah. That insemination kit that is coming was $250. Yeah. The one that we tried last month that we obviously didn't get pregnant, 
That one was 50 for two shots. This one is a little more like it's, this is like, a you can sanitize it. You can like yeah. sterilize it. You can do like, it gives you those options. Um, and it's not the IUI. It doesn't go up. Although this is a weird fact. I'm going to throw this out there. Did you know that you can buy an IUI kit on Timu? Would you trust it? No, absolutely not. Never. You'd have a child with not like quad, quad, quad eyes no. or something. Like, no, I never would. No, I cannot. I can't. I, I can't. No. That tube goes all the way yeah, up never, into me. I'm no. Never. Nope. No, not from Timu. But anyway, the, and so these are some of the options. And, um, you know, we've been very forthcoming about everything from the get-go of this yeah. podcast. So um, maybe that would give some people, you know, makeamom.com is where those syrin- where those insemination syringes are coming from. So if you're out there and you're struggling, maybe it's worth mm-hmm. looking at the makeamom.com. Right. Just to see what, you know, just to check it out and see if that's something that maybe might fix the problem. So as we progress down this path, we will definitely keep you updated as to what happens and what comes next. But like Janelle said, if you see things pop up with candle cells or whatever else, that's why that is. And um, yeah, so we've got everything kind of going to a little baby fund now. We're kind of diverting everything. So that is where we are currently. Did we Have we left anything out of our, like, it feels like a month. It has been a month. Maybe since we've got last got on here. Um, uh, we covered everything just about, I, I think. think. we're up to date. <clears throat> I think we're up to date. So now we've got you all caught up. So we've already got about 29 minutes in. Um, so there is one thing I wanted to talk about. So, so one of our kind of heavy, like a heavy topic, I guess, if you want to call it that. So we've made it past all of our prerequisites as it were. <laughs> those, all those very weird things that got lifey all of a sudden. Exactly. But, but you know what? The thing is life happens to Christians just mm-hmm. as well as it does non-Christians. You know, it's just, it's just life. It's what happens. Bible Refrigerators says, go out. Yeah. If your fridge goes out, it might leak and it might mess your floor up. You might have somebody bring your new fridge in and dent the drawer on the thing. You know, you might catch COVID, you know, I mean, it's just a bunch of junk, <laughs> but it all happened at Thanksgiving. Like why? All at the same why? time. Uh, anyway. So here we go. I was having a conversation with somebody one time, actually recently. And, um, this this uh, this is all uh, this was this all kind of transpired because of the uh, whole thing about uh, the comments that James Plank made and everything. And I was having a conversation with somebody, and could we say that this person? I'm not going to give the name because that would that would be that would be bad in this situation. Um, is this person? Would you say is fairly high up the food chain? I would say they're pretty 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 high up the food chain in the pecking order of the CHM. Yes, they're kind of high. Yes, this person's pretty high up there and they share, uh, I know they share the opinions of some leadership. They, they, they're pretty high up there. And I had some conversations with this person and we were discussing different churches and denominations. Called those conversations. Yes. They were conversations. We were having some conversations <laughs> and we're discussing the churches and, and, um, you know, uh, the difference in denominations and uh, people, you know, going from the CHM to another denomination and all those other things. And the, the conversation turned into um, the Holy Spirit and understanding the Holy Spirit and being able to discern, and, you know, the Holy Spirit and, and whatever else. And um, this person made a comment and it just absolutely floored me. And I, I didn't know what to say. Um, but we were discussing about how 
rather than allowing the camp evangelists to be that conscience or the pastor to be necessarily the conscience of the individual, shouldn't the individual rely on the Holy Spirit to lead and guide? And this person, and this, this is referring to the people, you know, within the, within this, the holiness movement. And this person told me something that shocked me and said, how can our people be, something like this, how can our people be trusted to discern the Holy Spirit? How can they discern the Holy Spirit? And I thought, whoa! The same way you do, sweetheart. I thought, whoa! Whoa, whoa, whoa! And it floored me. And I thought, wait a minute. You're implying that the people, the, or the, the, the lay persons who attend these various denominations, these holiness churches, you're implying that they can't be trusted to discern God's will in their life through the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to use too strong of a term, but it's almost like they implied that you're too stupid. You can't do it. How can you? And that was the frame that was given. That was like the, the, the vibe given me was like, how can they be trusted to discern the Holy Spirit? And it just shocked me. And I thought, so this is why. This is why we have such a heavy emphasis on things and such a control factor because it's, it, it's just easier. Let the people just make it as strict as you can and you, you don't have to worry about anything. It's, right. it's just kind of mind numbing. You just go through and it's long, and, and I got to look this certain way. I got to dress a certain way. Uh, I got to talk a certain way around these people. And if I do, I, I match up and it removes the Holy Spirit from the equation. And I fear that's what's kind of happening in some of these situations. And it was verified because this person said as much. And I thought to myself, but as a kid growing up, you know, when I was a teenager, I remember that I was able to discern the Holy Spirit in my life. It was the Holy Spirit that changed my mind when it came to the music I listened to, when it came to the books that I read, when it came to um, the things that I watched. That lie you were getting ready to tell. Yeah, it, it, it completely, the Holy Spirit is what intervened and gave me that little nudge as, okay, now you're a child of God, and now you're starting to grow. Maybe you shouldn't do this. Maybe you should do this instead. Maybe you need to, to remove this. Maybe you should include this. And to say that we can't be trusted to discern the Holy Spirit in our life, I believe is completely absurd. And, and, and because it, it, and I and I understand why that would be a threat in a way because it removes power from the people in, in in their various positions and their authority because all of a sudden if the Holy Spirit comes in well who knows what may come out of that but if we are able to dictate they what might is said and done oh short sleeves oh the Holy Spirit <laughs> might take away that three quarter length shirt you be careful you know and we're going to get into more of that and, and can can I say this if you believe in that. I'm not going to slam you for that. If that's what the Holy Spirit is laying on your heart, you wear three quarter leaf sleeves. Do it. By George, go for it. Just don't shove it down my throat. That's your personal conviction, and it's it's that that's just your thing. You do it, and I won't push mine on you. So, 
The thing I jumped over to was 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16, and it says this. This is King James. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now, pay attention here, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Ooh, that rubs people the wrong way in certain circles because it takes them out of that authoritarian position where they dictate what you do and you, you listen to me, you focus on me, you do as I say, X, Y, and Z, but all of a sudden you're, you're saying that a, a Christian can grow organically through the Holy Spirit? Oh, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. That's, the, that's what I got from the person I was speaking with. Verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Listen to this, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. And I'll get to that. Yet he himself is judged of no man, for who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You know, verse 12 through 13 says this, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Spirit Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, does Jesus reference this spirit when he talks about this spirit that's given to us that we have? Does he reference this? Well, if you jump over to John chapter 15, verse 26, it says, But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Oh, okay, so now I know what he's referring to here. So this spirit is going to bear witness to me of, Christ, of the will of Christ. And it's through that truth that we begin to learn and that our lives are, are, are shaped and that we're molded and that these, uh, in some situations, our, our convictions are formed. And, you know, the one thing I want to clarify is the, 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 the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is honestly all the proof you need that you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's probably why some people struggle so much. Even at camp meetings, you have people who habitually go to the altar I mean, every camp meeting they go to, they go up and pray, because it's like they rededicate themselves every year. It's like, well, you know, camp meeting runs around, and there's brother so and so. He's going to go up and rededicate himself. He just can't keep it together. I think there's been a a, a a misrepresentation of things to people, which has caused some of that. Because the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is the, all the proof you need that you are a Christian. Because if the Holy Spirit is is relegated to the back burner and, and, and isn't allowed to work on your life because you're, you're saddled up with this and that that somebody gives you and puts on you, I mean, how are you really giving yourself room to grow? You're, you're kind of tuning that out. Mm-hmm. And I think people people struggle with their salvation in many ways because they they it's almost like the camp evangelists and the different ministers who go around. The, uh, the the holiness movement and hold the revivals and things like that. It's almost like they take on the role of whipping the congregation into shape. Maybe the pastor won't necessarily do it, but he'll bring in an evangelist who has no ties and he has no skin off his his nose. If he if he lashes the, mm-hmm. the congregation, you know, to death, um, he can do whatever he wants and then leaves and he just leaves a, a, a pile of fire behind him, you know. Um, 
but people get rededicated every revival, every camp meeting, when the answer is inside of them. That if the, you have the Holy Spirit, then you are of God. You are, you are God's children. You're saved. I was talking to somebody a while back, and we were discussing how to know if you're saved. And I told him that sometimes it's good to turn around and look at where you've been to see where you've come from. Um, have you drawn closer to God? Are you more like Him and less like what you used to be you know, several years ago or even a year, six months ago? And that's a good indicator that there is a sanctification process that's going on, and that's evidence of salvation. If there's something that is changing in you, you're drawing closer to God, sometimes it's good to turn around and look to see where you come from. And if you can see where you've gotten closer to God and, and you're further away from the world than you were, say, six months ago, a year ago, that's a good indicator that, you, you know, that there's something at work inside of you. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life and the fact you listen to the Holy Spirit is all the evidence that you need. And one thing I'm totally against is the emotionalism that gets wrapped up in the salvation experience. Um, so for, for example, you know, a couple years ago, there was a CHM minister who, uh, was preaching and, um, he, uh, I was listening to the sermon actually the other day and, um, he, at the end had an altar call and he made this comment. He wanted everybody to come up to the altar to pray. And he said, um, he said, come up to the altar and tell the Lord to, and he said, quote, bring back the new again, bring back the new again. He said, you just won't feel it or you don't feel it like you used to or whatever. And uh, to me, this just sounded like an effort to get people to the altar. And the problem is we have to learn to function regardless, regardless of the ebbs and the flows of life. And I say all that because we get this situation going where you have people who they, they, they go to a service and they'll hear brother so-and-so and he'll stand up and he'll say, oh, I remember the Lord saved me out of a horrible, wretched light way of sin. And he saved me out of alcoholism and da, 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 da. And I went home and I took it and I poured it all down the drain and blah, I've never looked back and yada, yada, yada. And they, you know, and so this gets since it's a sensational experience and that everybody feels and is kind of pressured to compare themselves to that experience. And if your experience doesn't measure up to that person's experience, well, you just, well, you just don't got it. Do you remember building for keeps? <clears throat> no, I don't. Did you never go to a buildings for keep? No. Building for keeps um, service at mm -hmm. IHC? No, I didn't. It was always the highlighted ones that, and I am very happy. I am very happy for those who God pulled out of like the, the that deep mire really, of sin. Yeah, yeah, that really hard life. But you know what else I'm equally as grateful for? Hmm. That I never had that deep thing. True. And that doesn't mean my salvation experience is any less than that person. True. Well, what happens, though, is we end up in this situation where there is such a sensationalism about it to where um, we, we get caught up in the experience. Did you get the experience? Did you get that? Did, did, you, did you get that experience? Did you get that glory? And, and, and it's always pushed so hard. And you get people who are in positions of leadership who are expecting the laypersons to have an experience identical to theirs. And I will tell you this, your experience will not be identical to theirs. It can be vastly different, mm -hmm. completely different. And the and some people are also more emotionally charged than others when it comes to things. And I think that's I why... I am more emotionally charged than you are. I, I cry. Yeah. When it, I, well, I cry at everything. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that like I'm any less than you are or you're any uh -huh. less than I am. 
we, we just, we process things differently. And just because brother so-and-so is over here and he takes off at the, at the, the chord change in a song and he goes running around the church shouting and waving his hanky, it doesn't mean you're any less of a believer because you don't. Right. But what happens is we have people that are basically being held up to bars to be measured by. We have standards that are being preached from a church. Okay. They're in a manual. This is what you're measured by. We have um, a people's salvation experience. We have people's sanctification experience that is plastered on a billboard. And though they'll say, oh, we don't do that. Yeah, you do. I was raised in it. I know you do. Yeah. And so we have this that's there. And people are basically expected to measure up to that. And when it doesn't happen, maybe you're not having that kind of emotional experience. Well, maybe there's something wrong with you. Maybe you're not having that kind of sensationalistic uh, sensationalism when it comes to um, that experience when it comes to sanctification. Well, maybe you just don't got it. You didn't pray through on it. Maybe there's a problem with you or whatever. You, you need to go to the Lord again. And, and so people keep going to the altar and they keep banging their head on the thing, trying to get this wonderful... And those dark tunnels can be very long. Yes. They can go for months and even years where you feel dead inside. I know I was there. You, you're basically trying in an act of futility, trying to achieve the experiences and the emotional um, levels of other people. And when you don't get it, you get frustrated and you go, I can't get it. I can't attain it. There's something wrong with me. God's left me, you know, whatever. And, and, and you feel like you, there's just something wrong with you. And I, and I go back to this whole thing that this minister said. He said, bring back the new again. Come up to the front and pray and ask God to bring back the new again. And I thought, well, people have to realize God is there whether you feel new or old. True. He's there. I guarantee you the nursing home is full of some wonderful people that don't feel very new. They got something going on there. There's a guy, health problems. They've got physical ailments and things. But God is still there. It's almost like people, we, I understand salvation and, 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 and being one with Christ as being joy. That's what joy is. Joy mm -hmm. is the foundation of your life and happiness are the individual spikes that come and go. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, I think in the holiness movement is we keep preaching happiness. It's like everybody's got to get that happiness level at the max constantly. And if you ain't got it, there's a problem with you. Whoa, brother, you forgot about the joy area too. So there is an episode of Adventures on Odyssey that everyone should go back and listen to. What's that Do you one? remember the Count It All Joy? That yes, was the I do. name of the... Count It All Joy, I remember. Yeah. Yep. That was a great representation of the difference between happiness and joy. I remember that one. I, I say all that to say that we... Through our, through through some errors, I will say, when it comes to the way that things have been conducted in the holiness movement, we in a way have removed the Holy Spirit in many ways from playing an integral part in the lives of our believers in the churches. And I say that by, uh, I, I guess I, I support that with that the, the, the idea that we have regulate, tried to regulate things as best we can in order to where it's mind-numbingly just, just follow along the person in front of you and you'll be okay. Well, it's a Stepford Wives thing. I guess so. Oh, you know, not Stepford. No, I don't really. They're like, a, um, it would, they were these, these wives that were pre-programmed to be the perfect wife in every way and they all looked the same they all talked the same it was all mm -hmm. until they're you know and they just went about life with flat 
They just there's no expression. They no just, expression. Yeah. They just did what they. And the thing is, they the, the they whole, did what they were programmed to do. There is a comforter that you have been given in the Holy Spirit. And the Bible does say to try the spirits. There are certain things that the Holy Spirit is going to bring to your mind, things that you can do to change. And if you're worried about, well, is this really of, the, of God or is this of the devil trying to tempt me? Then get your Bible out and compare it to Scripture. Does it measure up in Scripture? See what the Bible has to say. That'll, pretty, that'll be an indicator. The Bible says to try the spirits. You know, test them. See if it's really of God. And, and, but it, it bothers me that, that a statement like that by someone that high up in the movement would be made, that how can we expect those pe- the people in the CHM to be able to discern the Holy Spirit? And I thought, but that's what it's all about. It is exactly That's what it's, what all, it's about. all about, is being able to discern the Holy Spirit. And we are all at different levels. The Holy Spirit is working in every one of us. And we all can have, if we have repented of our sins and we are saved, we have evidence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And that evidence is... Always, every day we're in a walk, we're in a marathon, and we're heading towards that end goal. And at some point, we should be able to look back incrementally and look and be like, oh, yeah, I've come a long way. Like, wow, I can't believe I said that back then. I wouldn't say that now. You know, I used to listen to that back then. I wouldn't listen to that now. My attitude back then would have been super irritated when now I'm seeing somebody that might be having a struggle. Yes. Let me tell you something. For me, I'm just being totally... Uh, you know, open about this. Um, gossip is something that doesn't, you know, everybody talks about the gossiping women, you know, or whatever. Hey, gossip hits everybody. <laughs> and I used to be one of those people that I love to talk. I love to chat, you know, and, and uh, we'd sit there and sometimes it, you'd come up talking about certain people or whatever like that. And, and it's just like, you, you just, you just talk and talk and talk. And sometimes the talking is not so good. And something began to happen over time to where the Lord put his thumb in my back and a certain, and we, I'd be together with some other people and they'd start talking about somebody and in your, and you feel like you have input to the conversation, but I'd feel a thumb in my back. And it was like, Nick, shut up. Don't, you don't have to say anything. And I didn't. And it was almost like you felt like you leveled up after that. Like it was like something inside was like, it's like the Holy Spirit gave me a pat on the back, said, congratulations. You kept your mouth closed. Now it'll be easier the next time. It's like when you play Mario and you eat the little mushroom. Yeah, 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 you level up. And that's, that's how the Holy Spirit works is there's things that happen in your, in your life to where the Holy Spirit begins to mold you and to make you into that final creation that can be presented before God upon Judgment Day when you cross over that threshold into eternity. That's the goal of the Holy Spirit is to mold you and make you. And I think a lot of men in leadership positions would be very, very offended to find out just how little of a role they actually play in that because none of them can replace the Holy Spirit, although mm-hmm. they would like to think they can. And if we had depended on the Holy Spirit as much as we should have, we wouldn't be in the situation that we are with some of the messes that we have currently. I, I, I'm, I'm, I didn't think I'd talk about this, but I'll put it out there. There's a website. Me and my wife were just kind of curious one day, and we were talking about various holiness churches you know, where they were located. And I decided to make a database and a website. I made a website. It's called findmyholinesschurch.org. And I started going through this and I was going through all the denominations. I was contacting and reaching out to different people. I was pulling this all together. And I, the list is up to around 440, maybe churches, holiness churches, not Pentecostal holiness, basically churches that have anything to do with the IHC convention. I have this database of them. 
If you want to look at it, you can. It's findmyholinesschurch.org is what it's called. And it's basically a Google map, and it's got a pin for every church on there, and it's color-coded for the denomination. I've got church camps. i got Christian schools. i got everything on there just about. And it's things that I've been able to find. And I, I had reached feelers out to other people. It was kind of like a project that I was into, and I just wanted to see like the size of the holiness movement, really. Um, and we were kind of curious as to where they were at in certain parts of the states and things like that. And something I determined, I spoke to somebody and uh, in leadership position, and they were discussing with me how many holiness churches there were. And they were kind of like, well, there should be, there's probably about a thousand of them. And I will tell you this, I'm kind of doubting that at this point. Because I've re, I, I've come across a lot of, well, not a lot, but there, there's quite a few. I have found, um, it's sad in a way. But you come across a lot of holiness churches that are um, just the doors are shuttered. They're gone. Mm. Um, or they've uh, turned into a charismatic or they're something else or they've gone independent. And I think th- if this has been an indicator of anything, it's to kind of show that there's I – do, I do believe the holiness movement is in trouble. Mm-hmm. It is in trouble because the data is telling me that there's, there's been some shrinkage going on. And um, it's not all good news. And there are denominations that are no longer exist anymore that used to on paper, and they're not there no more. Some, they've lost a lot of their churches, and they're gone. I can't even find them anymore. Um, some are grown up, overgrown. They're desolate looking. Uh, others, their leadership is, is there. There might be five or six in the congregation. It's shrunk to that point. There are severe problems in some areas of the holiness movement. It is consolidating and it is shrinking. I would like to think that there is a bit of an awakening that's taking place in some of the people there that they are trying to actually be more realistic about their expectations and what they actually find in scripture. I hope that that's the case for a lot of people, but overall, I think the damage over the past 40, 50 years um, that has been preached from the pulpit, it has, well, the, the words that have been preached from the pulpit 40, 50 years, you know, that has brought us to where we are now. And, um, there's, there's, yeah, there's, I don't think everything is all well right now with the holiness movement. Um, and I say all that to say that you look at the, the, the state that it's in and you listen to some of the sermons. We talked about Archie Atwell Sr. and some of the mm-hmm. things that were preached. There was no room for the Holy Spirit in his sermon. It was all man opinion. And, and, and here he even made the statement. He said, God told me I could say whatever I wanted to say, you know, about, about, about this. In, in this sermon and throw whatever and and you listen to what he said and and a lot of it didn't even stack up to scripture it wasn't scriptural at all it was his opinion that he threw out there and you have these people that have basically just shot off the mouth and they they've just 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 thrown whatever out there and they've kind of taken on the role of the holy spirit and you're supposed to look the way they think you're supposed to look you're supposed to behave the way they think you're supposed to behave you're supposed to look the way i think did i already say that mm-hmm. you're, whatever you're supposed to basically be formed in the way they want you to form and if not you're going to hell you know and he's not the only person that said things like that the others have said so in, in the past and that's in a way kind of what got james plank in trouble as well is he said that if anybody uh, was in a pulpit other than a chm pulpit and was preaching. Didn't matter they were preaching. They were backslid and that they needed to be prayed for as a backslider. When you say things like that, you do irreparable damage mm-hmm. to the movement because people start going, ah, this doesn't te- this doesn't pass the smell test. And there's something weird going on here. This is I don't think the Bible really backs this up. 
And then you have people that start to drift out. They start to leave. Or they start to raise questions. If the questions aren't answered, they, you know, they start to go elsewhere. Um, John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17 says this, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him. And here's the next part. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. The Holy Spirit dwells within us and bears witness with us. And we can look back at our track record over the past year, two years, six months, and we can go, oh, wow, I see where I've been changing for the better. And maybe I don't have the warm fuzzies like I did. I might wake up, I don't feel so good. I might have situations around me that are falling around and, and things are messing up. But guess what? That joy that holds me up is the foundation of my spiritual life. And that joy mm -hmm. is knowing that my soul rests in the arms of Christ, that I'm saved. And knowing that if the Holy Spirit is in me and I see evidence for him, I am where I need to be. I'm where I need to be. And going all the way back to say that we can't trust people to be able to discern the Holy Spirit in our life, that we can't possibly trust them to do that, that mm -hmm. is absurd. Mm -hmm. That is absurd. Uh, the maturity of a Christian is being able to function without the feeling. Can you function without the feeling? Do you have to have the constant caffeine drip as a Christian to keep going in order to function? You have that faith that the foundation beneath you is there regardless if you feel it or not. But you have to be careful because when you go to various camp meetings and churches and services, there are pastors and there are preachers, there are evangelists who will pray on you. If you're not feeling it, you don't have it. Exactly. And that's just not true. It is. Let me tell you something. That is a lie from the pit itself. So how long ago was it that I had that night where it was... I didn't know whether I was going to heaven. I was. I felt like a terrible person. I, I don't know. Because it had been so long since I had felt really anything. Mm -hmm. Remember that night? I think so. We had, a, we had a long talk. We had a very long talk. It was a very low point for you. And it came down to the fact that God would not have let Nick marry me if I was going to hell. Yeah. In my brain. Yeah, because that we, is the bottom line of where it came from because it was just. And then I ended up calling my mom. I think we talked until 2 a.m., but she's like, remember those sermons that your dad used to preach? You cannot go on feeling. No, you, you can't. You cannot. And it's nice to have that feeling every once in a while. It's nice to be reassured mm -hmm. with that feeling, but um, you can know without that feeling. Exactly. You can function. You have to learn sometimes to lay aside what you've mm -hmm. been taught and what you've been... I will <clears> say <throat> this. Shame on evangelists and the holiness movement. Shame on you if you're listening and you do this. Shame on you and you need to change your method. Who like to manipulate the crowd to get the altar lined because it looks good. Mm -hmm. That's the wrong motive, my mm -hmm. friend. That is the wrong motive. You, there is, there is, there is, there is so much more to the walk with God than just the feeling. Right. You want to talk to me? about feeling, let's start examining the early Christians as they're being led out to be martyred in the Colosseum. I guarantee you they probably didn't feel too good. 
But they had that underlying foundation that they staked their very existence on and they sunk their teeth into it and they said, I, regardless of what you do to me, regardless of how I feel, I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. You know, um, when I was a kid, there was a Wesleyan church we went to, and uh, there was a sermon that was preached. And it was, it must have been one of those, I don't remember the content of the sermon, but it must have been one of those sermons where it was like one of these things where it's like, oh, if you don't feel it, you got to get saved or whatever. I forget what it was. I was probably eight or nine years old. And um, I remember I knelt down in the, I knelt down in the the pew and I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be saved. You know, I gotta repent or do whatever it was. And you actually waited until it was in church. Mine was always the middle of the night. Oh no. I'd go hover over my mom until she woke up. No, no. I I mean, I felt like I had to get something done or you're going to go to hell. You got to do something now. And uh, so I told my mom, I knelt down and I started praying and I, was, and I was like confessing everything I could think of. And, and I told mom, I was like, I don't think I could, I I'm not feeling anything. I said, I don't think I can be saved. I said, I, I think I've gone too far. I said, I think I've, I've committed the unpardonable sin. I'm not man. even kidding. A little man, I know. Yeah, I'm not kidding. That was going on. But so it, did you ever have that thought? Because what the the, the Bible says the unpardonable sin is um, blasphemy. Yeah. And then you're thinking in your head, did I do that? Did I do that? Oh no. And then your your thought goes. I, I don't know. My thought went really dark every once in a while, and I was like, if I said that, if I say that, does that mean I did it? And, and then I'm like, I can never be saved again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was having those thoughts as an eight or nine year old kid. You know, and, and you're laying there, uh, or you're you're knelt down, and you're praying and praying, and then you don't feel it, right? And so you're like, "Oh no, I got to get it, I got to get it," and you don't feel it. And I think that that has been used to prey on the congregants of the denominations within the holiness movement for decades, and um, it has gotten these results, if you will, of people coming to the altar like, "Oh no, I've got desperate problems, I've got to get saved." You know, right now, I, I, something's wrong. I don't feel it, so I must not have it. You know, and then the reality is <laughs> you do have it, but it's just your, 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 your chains getting yanked to the front. So that way the pastor or the minister feels better. Yeah. And, um, uh, anyway, yeah, I was just a kid and I know if I was a kid that felt that way, I know there was other kids, but, uh, you know, the, <laughs> yep. the, the CHM is a slave. <coughs> I will say this. The CHM is a slave to sensationalism. Uh, it, it is, um, and we, we hear brother so-and-so share this huge experience about being saved or sanctified. And then because our congregation doesn't match that story, we feel there's something wrong with us and that we have to come up to the altar. We've got to get that same thing. No, you don't. Um, some people are going to get saved in a much less glamorous way. You know, some people are going to get saved at home in their bedrooms, maybe in your at lunch when you're uh, in your car, uh, or you're standing there with like 75 people pounding you on the back, you know, or whatever. And then, you know, then you're saved that way. It, it's a, there's a variety of different ways that people are saved. Um, but sometimes you, you go on, no matter how you feel, your walk will be different than the next person. And, and I have to ask you this, th- this is the things you can ask yourself actually. Did you turn it over to God? Did you repent of your sins and ask that he save you? Are you listening to his prompts in your spirit? If you answer yes to those things, I mean, you've answered the question to if, God, if you're God's child or not. Um, you That's are, the bottom line. That's it. Yeah, you, you are being guided by the Holy Spirit, and sometimes there simply won't be emotion tied to it. There just won't. Verse Hormones f- play a part in that. Yes. Um, 
external and you know things going on in our our lives play a part of that like yeah. all of these things play a part in whether we're feeling happiness or joy yeah wesley i was re- i was reading wesley the other day and um, wesley in one of his sermons was talking about sanctification he said you know what things that'll all that will alter your sanctification experience he said things that will alter it he said are um, emotional trauma uh, mental issues and physical ailments those things will alter your, but you never hear that preached. Yeah. Never. And I'm going to tell you this. Some of you out there, if you do preach in the holiness movement and you preach at a holiness church, you need to go re-examine Wesley when it comes to sanctification. You need to go read it. Go look at his sermon 13. Go read some of his other books. I think it was sermon 13. I need to go back and look at that. Um, but go back and re-examine what sanctification is really all about. And how we have pressured our congregations to the instantaneous example, rather than the other one that is mentioned, that is a progressive uh, experience. You won't hear that preached. Right. But you will see the first one preached because it's sensationalism. It is emotional. It's loud. It's demonstrative. And it gets the most joy and people shouting and everything. And then somebody else will go, but that, that doesn't, that's not what mine was. So is there something wrong with me? No, there's nothing wrong with you. You're a different person. Right. You're a different person. But we've, we've strayed. We've misled people. Maybe, in by, maybe by accident here. But we've gone through and we've kind of misled people. We, we've misrepresented the gospel. We've misrepresented sanctification. We've misrepresented and sometimes suppressed the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. Big time. We have. Verse 15 says this, um, and I was going to get to this, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. That word judgeth in the Greek means, and this is what it says, to distinguish by vigorously judging down to up, i.e. closely examining, investigating through the process of careful study, evaluation, and judgment. That is how we should be. And when you, if you think of that term there, that word judgeth in verse 15 is to we should investigate things. What does verse 15 say again? If we go back and we read it, it says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. It means if you're spiritual, you investigate these things. You look them over. You test them. So you can imagine that whenever I hear somebody uh, come out and say, uh, it was actually, um, it was James Plank, bless his heart. (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) He, he, he was about two years ago. He had a sermon that he preached, and he made a quote. And it's on a YouTube video. Um, he said, "There are, there are, there are. These are for sure not the time to be changing directions, selling convictions, and questioning everything that we've been taught." And I was having a conversation with somebody else who used to be a pastor's wife in the Holiness Church, and they were like, "What kind of a statement is that?" And I was like, "That's what he said." And it's like, why would you say that? That's only going to contribute to the problem. That creates a problem. It's telling everybody to shut up. Don't ask me questions about it. Just keep going. As the fathers have done it, so shall we continue. That's what the Amish said, not what he said. That The Amish say that. But it, it promotes this whole thing where it's an environment where you don't ask questions. You don't try to find out why it's this way or that way or anything like that in order to build your foundation. It's just... Sit down, shut up, and hang on. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. And it's like, you can't do that. You just can't. 
And, and I think that's, that, that's another issue that has happened with the holiness movement. As I think as questions arise, it tends to hunker down like a turtle and get inside of its shell. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm just going to, you're throwing the darts of the devil at me. I'm just going to hold it up. I'm just going to put the shield of faith and bless the Lord. You're not going to do no damage to me. No, <laughs> we're not trying to hurt you. We want to know why you believe X, Y, and Z. Because if, I, if, if it's truly scriptural and biblical, I'll pass it on to my kids. But if it's a bunch of hooey, I'm not passing that on to my kids. I want to pass God's word on to my kids. That matters to me. I don't want my kids going to a church where they're going to sit there and hear gobbly, hear gobbly gook thrown into their face that has absolutely jack squat worth of scriptural meaning behind it. Yeah. Why would I? <clears throat> and that's what's causing the decay. And that's what breaks my heart when I go through this map and I'm looking at all these churches that have closed down. And I'm seeing the doors that are shuttered, the shrinking congregations. And I know some of the backstories for some of these things that have gone on everything. And it's like, oh, good grief. We also have 400 and some churches that are split into how many Different denominations. denominations. Yes, they can't even get along. They're separated by one or two minus yes. things. Let me tell you something. Those of you, if anybody out there, you got various conference presidents. The denominations within the CHM have become their own worst enemy. I mean, if you look at the reasons for why the denominations have formed and why they've even split, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, stuff that's not even scriptural. And, and, and these, if, if you ever needed to consolidate to, uh, to, to kind of uh, band together to grow stronger, now's the time. But I, I, I go through my map and I see so many fractured elements and just, just splinters that are out there. It's just, it's a shame. It's, it's just an absolute shame, but it is a product of what has been going on for like the past 50 years or so. Um, and it's a shame. It really is a shame. Um, but yeah, making a statement like that saying that now's not the time to, to, to selling convictions and questioning everything that we've been taught. Well, nobody said anything about selling convictions or anything like that. I just want to see where it's at in scripture because I want to pass this on to my kids. Cause guess what? The last thing I want is little Tom Dick or Harry coming up to me and saying, Hey dad, why do we believe this? Oh, uh, well, it's just the way we've always done that. That don't work. Don't worry people. I'm not letting him name our child, Tom, Dick or Harry. No, it's not happening. <laughs> and if that's your name, I'm sorry. That, 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 that's okay. <laughs> that's, that's your name. Fine. But that's just, that, that's just, that's just the analogy I used. <laughs> But you have to have a solid biblical foundation to stand on. That is something that stays there no matter how you feel, no matter how your day goes, no matter how your health goes, no matter who dies around you. It has to be something you can hang on to. And you have to be able to be given an opportunity to listen to the Holy Spirit in your life because guess what? Pastors will come and go. Evangelists will come and go. Denominations will die. But the Holy Spirit stays with you. God stays with you. He's there. He doesn't leave. And the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is when you can look around and see how you've started to change to be more Christ-like. Whew. <laughs> This has been a soapbox for me because I thought, how dare you say that people are, in essence, too dumb to discern the Holy Spirit? Yeah, that was, he's been really, that's gotten into his crawl. It's been two weeks since that happened, and that, is, that has been. It's ridiculous. It yes. really is. It, it bothers me. Stupid. Yeah, you, you, you think I'm too stupid. Yeah, you think I'm too dumb to listen to the Holy Spirit? It, really? And you're going to do any, you're, you're going to do a better job? Pfft, no. No, you won't. I've seen where that leadership has gotten the various churches and things. I've seen what happened. What's happened? 
And, and if you're out there and, and maybe you're a leader in your own church or whatever, please, please don't have that opinion. Please don't have that opinion. You want to you want to wreck somebody spiritually. You want to stunt their spiritual growth. That's the way you do it. Don't know. I, I can't trust the brother so and so to be able to discern the Holy Spirit. He's dumber than a sack of diapers. Like no, you can't do that. The Holy Spirit. Once we become one with God, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us and begins to bear witness with us. And that spirit of truth will help us. And we, we can discern between the right and the wrong. We get, our, we get, we get our, our Bible and we go digging through and we find out pretty quick if something passes the sniff test. What I will say, though, is that there's been a lot of things that have been coming out of the CHM recently that do not pass the sniff test. And it has bothered me. It has bothered Very me. Very badly. It has. And it's probably no accident that I started digging into that map and trying to build that. Uh, when this this conversation was going on as well, because it it just it just verified in my mind that the, the CHM has some problems, and I, <laughs> good grief, man, it, it 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 does have problems, it really does. It needs fresh leadership so desperately, leadership that's going to be open to actually sitting down and being like, okay, we need to reexamine some things, and not from a viewpoint of compromise, but actually saying, right. is this biblical? If it is biblical, we stand by it. There was a church that I was looking at attending before I met you. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> we've had this conversation. This isn't news to you. I had a friend who had a guy that went to his her church, and well before I met Nick, she decided that we needed to that we would make a great pair, and that we needed to meet each other. So I went to her church, and that Sunday they were doing, um, like their mission statement and what they believed and going through that so that everyone, and they did that yearly um, to make sure that everyone knew what that church was about and what they was stood for and what their principles were. Mm-hmm. And they made a statement that I think probably more churches should. They don't go more than five years without examining scripture and current events mm-hmm. to make sure that they have an answer for current things. Because your congregation could change over time. Your congregation is going to change. You got new people coming in, and some people may not have heard. You have kids growing up. Yes. See, that's the view you take. But instead, you've got leadership in the CHM who takes a very hostile approach and a hostile stance. And I think they're afraid. I think they're honestly afraid. They're afraid that if... Because again, they've been taught that once you lay one thing down, you're just a slippery slope. Yes. You're a hand, in a handbasket headed for hell. Uh, it was, um, oh, well, I forget the gentleman's name. He wrote a book and he quoted another minister and he said, once the camel pokes his nose into the camel, into the tent, soon the whole camel follows. You know, and that's the mentality that is being preached. And it's that you can't trust the people to have self-control. Right. You, can't you can't trust, trust them. the Holy Spirit. You can't trust the, them to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit. You can't trust them to pump the brakes. You can't trust them to have self-control. So I guess we just got to do it for them just because they're that dumb. You know, and, and that's, that's, that is what has been pushed. And it's ridiculous. And no wonder you end up with this group that is starting to stunt and, and, and shrink in a way and, and is having problems. And some people, oh, we're great. We're fine. Not exactly from the angle that I've been looking at, simply because here recently I've been digging into that map and I'm starting to find a lot of places that are shut down or have turned into a completely different denomination or groups that don't even exist anymore. And it's, it's really sad. And it kind of broke my heart because I, I would go from church to church and I'd be like, oh, another one shut down. And I would actually look at it on Google Maps and I'd explore the outside of the building and in my mind I'd go, I wonder what all used to go on in here. You know, the, all the prayers that were said and the sermons that were preached and the people that were actually helped and them. 
it's not there no more. You know, it's gone. And it's just a sad, it's so sad. Anyway, I guess I sum everything up to say this, that as a believer, you do have the Holy Spirit within you. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And the Holy Spirit is that quiet voice inside that nudges you to do the right thing. That's why quiet time every day is good. Yes. And why you should read your Bible and pray. You say, well, why doesn't God talk to me? You read your Bible, he'll talk to you through the words. Have you prayed? He'll sometimes enter your mind and you'll, you'll get those thoughts and you'll know what you're supposed to do. Um, and it, it's, we don't give, I don't think the holiness movement gives its member, its members credit enough to be able to think that they can discern the Holy Spirit when absolutely they can. And I almost think that the holiness movement would be further along if that had been preached. Um, instead of kind of the whole hunkering down, don't answer, don't don't question it, don't don't rattle the cages, don't talk about, and, don't and the, poke the bear. Yeah, don't don't do anything that's going to uh, cause any kind of an issue. Just just continue on as it's always been, folks. One day your kids are going to start asking these questions. And what are you going to do then? You know why we know that? Because we, we started kids. asking questions. We were. And I preached I preached in a church one time and I said, you know, I, I said, I, I told him, I said, kids, I said, ask your parents, ask them why they believe such and such. I said, parents, give an answer. Because one day those kids will go off to college and you will have equipped them with, with, with the ability to be able to answer for why they believe the way they do. Um, and, you know, if you have a personal conviction over something, and you support it with scripture or for whatever reason, then it's good to sit down with your kids and to talk to them and say, hey, this is why mom and dad do this. And this is a personal conviction that God laid upon our hearts. And you know what? Maybe God won't give you the same conviction, but this is what he gave us. And this is why we did it. And this is why we, you know, why we honor it. And um, it's good to have those conversations because you set the next generation up for success. Now, if you be quiet and you don't, uh, you, you don't encourage that growth. You don't encourage those, that back and forth questions and answers. If you don't do that, you do set yourself up for a denomination that's going to shrink, it's going to atrophy, and it's going to die eventually. And going through that map, yes, I'm seeing it. It's generally, when you give kids an answer that makes sense, that is can be backed up, Yes, they take it. That's what we did. You know, I'm, like I told you, that we had that camp meeting, Miller Downing preached, and he preached some things about women's hair that wasn't scriptural. And uh, we got in the car, we're on our way home, and mom's like, you know what, kids, we're going to go home, we're going to dig into Scripture, we're going to find out what it really says. And from that moment on, we started digging in and finding out exactly what the Bible says. We found out what he had said was wrong, what Scripture said was something different, and we we went with that. And um, the Bible does say, study to show yourself approved. It also says that you will be uh, condemned or justified on what your words were and what you said. And... um, what your reasons given for why you do certain things in essence, I believe is what that has to do with. Um, and as a preacher, there is an awful lot of weight upon you. You can mislead people. You can manipulate people. You can abuse people from the platform. And, uh, I think there's a lot of ministers that are going to have a lot to answer for. I think some people will probably get in regardless of some of the things they've said. Um, maybe it's just an error that they've said it. Um, but they could have done so much more. Yeah. They could have done so much more. And I think there's a lot of us that are going to go before God and we're going to stand before him. He's going like, you know what? You did okay, but you could have done, you could have, what if you'd have done this? If only you could have done this. And I think that's, you know, that's going to make a lot of us just, your rewards will be that much lesser probably because of, you know, whatever happened. But, that but just, at least I'll be there. At least, at least God, just, just, just <laughs> get me in the door. Get me in the door. But uh, anyway, no, we can, we should allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And we, as believers, Scripture says, he, has come, he comes to us with the Spirit of truth. We are able to discern that. 
and try the spirits to open our Bible, see what the Bible says. Does it support what we're thinking and what we're hearing? And, and uh, that's how we grow. That's how we grow. And mm-hmm. not every day is going to be wonderful. We're going to have ups. We're going to have downs. But understand that the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life can be that joy that you have, knowing that your soul rests in the hands of God and uh, that you are where he needs you to be. And uh, no matter how you feel, no matter what, the evangelist will sit there and throw, if you don't feel it, then you don't have No, my friend. No, my friend, that's not how this works. Because how, like, I go back. I guarantee you the people in the Colosseum probably didn't feel too warm and fuzzy. They were probably terrified, and they probably didn't know what was going to come next. But the fact that they died for their faith, and the fact that they were willing to die for it, just speaks volumes to the amount of faith that they had, and that they were willing to stand for that. No matter how they felt, they stood for that. Anyway... I feel like I've been on a soapbox tonight. And folks, if I've been more animated, I'm actually really happy to be back behind the microphone. I'm happy to be doing this. This is the first day uh, that vocally I'm actually coming back together. Yesterday I sounded really bad, uh, like worse. Better today. I kind of liked it, but I'm the wife, so I'm allowed to like the growly. Yeah. Anywho. He used to call me when we were dating. He used to call me as soon as he got out of bed. Or his nap, and he would have that really low, mm-hmm. gravelly voice. You could tell where, where I've been, because mm-hmm. my voice is all... <laughs> blah, blah, blah. All right, you got to add anything, or are we done? Um, just, you know, if you think about it, say a prayer for our fertility journey. Well, yeah, definitely, we'd appreciate it. It's It has been a journey. We want to raise a little powerhouse for God. That's That's the one thing I've prayed for. I've asked God, I said, God... I want a child that is whole mentally, physically, emotionally, and one that we can train up spiritually because I want to raise up maybe a next pastor or or a good pastor's wife or or a good whatever it could be, you know, or whoever they could be, you know, girl or boy, uh, whether they become a, a, you know, just a a person that serves in their church, you Mm -hmm. know, it doesn't matter. You can be a powerhouse. And serving your church. Yes, you don't have to be a pastor to be a powerhouse. Um, you know, sometimes some of the most important people are those that stay there and anchor the place, regardless okay. of who comes behind the pulpit. Because uh, sometimes they're there to undo the damage that is caused. Um, and I know people that, that do that. So um, just pray for us. We definitely would appreciate it. Um, and uh, we would, um, you know, we look forward to the opportunity, should God bless us, to be able to um, have kids of our own. So anyway, I may regret that when I stand there with an exploding diaper in my face. Um, <laughs> I'll say, why did I? And the Lord's like, you asked for it. Here it is. You know, I, I don't, that'll be wild. But anyway, anything else? Nope. All right, folks. Thanks for joining in. And uh, we're glad you're able to come along. And uh, once again, excuse us if we sound a little funky and a little off. We're coming out of COVID. Uh, but we're, we're doing better. We are. We're doing better, so. All right. We will chat at you next time. See you.